Gracious, what a morning. If you've got your copy of God's Word, you guys better listen fast this morning. It's already 1140. Amen. I don't think we're, we're going to beat the Methodists to the restaurants this morning. <laughs> All right, if you find your place in God's Word, Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 through 27. When you find your place in God's word, you can just simply let me know, I found it. All right. I'm a little damp from the baptism this morning. Daniel chapter 3, verses 12 through 27, if you'll follow along as I read aloud. The Bible says, There were certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The Bible continues, And Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at the time you hear, at the time that you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. So he's given them another opportunity. When you're ready, don't, maybe you just didn't hear the music the first time. Maybe, maybe you didn't hear it and you didn't catch the sound and you didn't see it. But now I'm going to give you another chance, right? But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then he kind of takes a stab at him right here. He kind of throws a little sarcasm out. And who is that God that you shall, that shall deliver you out of my hands? Like he was somebody. Right? Who's the God that you serve that's going to deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king. I love this part. O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. I don't have to take thought to answer you in this matter. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say to you. I'm not even careful. I don't, need to, you, I, don't need you, I don't need you to give me time. I'm about to answer you in this matter. I'm not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, listen to me. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up then was nebuchadnezzar full of fury he was already mad but now he's steaming his whole it says in scripture here he was full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against shadrach meshach and abednego you could see it on his person now Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was to be heated. When I throw you in, I'm going to throw you into a hotter furnace. 
And he commanded the most high mighty men that was in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, in verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the two servants that went up and actually delivered them to the fiery furnace, it wiped them out. It was so hot. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. And he rose up in haste and he spake and said unto his counselors, did not. Wait, wait a second. Am I, am I seeing something that, that's changed? Did not we throw three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, lo, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then, verse 26 says, then Nebuchadnezzar came to the, the mouth. He came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. And he spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the kings, counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had complete power no sir it had no power nor was a hair of their head singed neither were their coats changed nor the smell of fire had passed on them they didn't even smell like they've been toasting s'mores didn't even smell like it may god bless the reading of his word this morning you can be seated. As we continue our Mastering Mountain series, I absolutely love this passage. Man, I love David and I get excited about David. But man, I come to Daniel chapter 3 and with the, the three Hebrew boys with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And hey, I'll give you a little test here. Come up to see me after the service. This is an open book test. Come see me after the service on your way out and tell me their real names. That was their pagan names, in case you didn't know. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here. This is awesome in this account in Daniel chapter 3. This is one of the greatest accounts of overcoming impossible odds that you could ever look at in Scripture. When you get to this account in Daniel chapter 3, along with Daniel, uh, a little bit of back history here. Along with Daniel and the majority of Judah, these three men had been taken captive uh, in the Babylonian uh, Empire. And while they were enduring uh, this captivity, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with a very big problem. This was a huge problem, right? The, the, the king had made this decree. And it says the king that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had created an image. This image was some 90 feet tall, according to Scripture. Right? I know we don't see them a whole lot nowadays, but when I was a kid, they had forestry towers. And I know you can see forestry towers, the old towers. They don't use them much anymore now that with the technology that we have and, and air surveillance and all that stuff. The forestry don't use the towers so much anymore. But back in the day when I was a kid, there were forestry towers. And these forest rangers would climb these towers and they would look out over the horizon and they would watch for, for smoke. 
and then they could gauge everything, and they could check where the fires were at, and they would dispatch forest rangers to go help put the fire out, right? Those forestry towers are 100 feet tall. So if you're driving around, and you look out, and you see a forestry tower, think 10 foot shy of that, and now picture Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. So this king had set up this thing that was some 90 feet tall, and a command was given throughout the whole region, throughout all of the providence, right, that the people should bow and worship this 90-foot golden image. At the sound of music being played, and these three men here in this passage, we're going to see some commitment. These were the men that were committed to God. No matter what they faced, no matter what the consequences was, these men decided and they purposed in their heart to stand fast on the word of God regardless of what was going on around them. Regardless of what their friends said, regardless of what society said, regardless of what anyone else around was pointing them out and saying, hey, this, that, or the other with these, other, these, these men, they're not doing what you said, king. They stood fast. They stood fast and they stood alone. Knowing that they were going to face an irate king. They knew that when they disobeyed the king, they knew that the king was going to get upset. They, they worked in the, king's, uh, in the king's palace, right? When they were taken captive from Judah and they were taken into Babylon, these men were, were uh, tried and tested. If you read in chapters 1 and 2, you see that they were tried and tested throughout this time. And they were going to be used in the king's palace. They were going to be used for, for Nebuchadnezzar and his teachings, but they stood fast on what God had told them to do. And they refused. They refused to stand up and worship a man-made image. They stood and, and refused to worship this image of a God that does not exist. This God did not exist. They had set up a statue. I wholeheartedly believe, listen to me, the pressures to conform to the directives of society are strong today just like they were back then. I, I, feel, I feel bad for the young people that I've got in my congregation as they're growing up in this. The pressures of life are hard. And I hate to be a spoiler alert. I hate to be a Debbie Downer. But they don't get any easier the older you get. Pressures in life continue to, to pound on you. Pressures of life continue to hit you. Pressures of life continue to, to come into your life and push you and push you and push you. Ask me how I know. But God. But God. See, they were in this predicament, right? And, they, and, and now I believe just like these men found themselves in this predicament, we too are finding ourselves in a very bad predicament in this country. I never thought that this country would get to the place, and I'm a, I'm a military veteran for those of you that don't know me, right? I'm a military veteran, and looking over two decades ago when I was serving in the United States Army, and that sounds so weird to say that, two decades ago as I was serving, I never thought that I would get to the place that I would see America in the position that it is now. Why? Because we're giving in to societal pressures. And Christians are beginning to take a knee, right? But here in this passage, instead of taking a knee, these three Hebrew men, they didn't bend, they didn't bow, and we see later they didn't burn, right? Because they didn't even take a knee at this situation. They didn't say, well, hey, everybody else is around me, and I know they're bowing and worshiping. I'm not really going to worship, but I'm going to just go ahead and I'll just take a knee, and, and that way I don't stick out really bad. We've seen this not too long ago, too. You start bending, you'll start bowing. 
Because bending is the first step to bowing. You bend, you bow, you burn. When we start bending and bowing our knee to societal pressures, and we start following after the gods of this world, it says that, that God abhors the wicked. He detests the unrighteous. Everybody talks about God being love, and my God does love you. But it also says that the wicked and unrepented heart, he detests. And he abhors it. But God loved you right where you're at, yes. But he also loved you enough to tell you, don't stay there. He loved you enough to say, I'm going to send my son for you. I'm going to send my son to give himself in your place to where you don't have to. But you can come back to me. Just like that song we sang this morning, right? He didn't have to come. Christ did not have to give up his place on the throne. But he chose to. He wanted to. Right? And as this world continues to distance itself from the Lord and the pressures of this world and the philosophies of this world, they're only going to become more prevalent and more prevalent and more prevalent. Scripture even warns us, it says, in the last days, it's going to wax worse and worse. You better buckle up, Christian. Buckle up. It's, it's not going to get better. As much as we would love to preach it, and as much as, as pastors love to give a warm and fuzzy message, right, on a Sunday morning to make us feel all good before we go back out into life, I can't do that. Why? Because life is not like that. And it's going to wax worse and worse. But I want to encourage you, you don't have to bend. You don't have to bow. And I promise you, you won't burn. I promise you that. See, the enemy tempts us. Listen to me and write this down. The enemy tempts us to destroy us. The enemy tempts us to destroy our faith. But God tests us to develop our faith. The enemy seeks to destroy us. God wants to develop us. Right? A faith that can't be tested cannot be trusted. A faith that can't be tested cannot be trusted. And if you look over the times of life, false faith weakens in trials. You start going through trials in life and your faith weakens in life because it's a false faith. You can only live this facade of Christianity for a short time before the hardships of life hit you and if you're living in a false life, you're living that false faith, you're living that false righteousness, you're going to, you're going to start backing up. You're going to start bending and you're going to start bowing. But true faith grows deeper, resulting in glory being brought to God. We grow deeper and we grow rooted, just like a tree that's planted by the water, the psalmist says. A tree that's planted by the water. Its roots dig deep. That way when the storms of life come, that tree's not going to fall over because it's grounded in the word of God. This passage shows the three Hebrew boys who were tested and they were thrown into a literal fire of life. Ours are just figuratively speaking, right? Our, our trials and our, our valleys and our hardships and our fires that we walk through in life are just figurative, figuratively speaking. These men literally walked through the fire and did not come out burned. The apostle Peter said over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, 
In 1 Peter 4, verse 12, he talks about this. And the Apostle Peter used that term, fiery trials. Even in the New Testament, he used that term, fiery trials. Why? Because he was warning us. He was warning the believers and the readers of the persecution and the troubles that the church was going to face. I can tell you, hands down, you're going to face it. I've had a doozy of a weekend. If you know me and you're close enough to me, you know what's going on in my life. And I've had a doozy, right? It's been a doozy. But God said, I'm going to bring you through it. I'm going to bring you through it. And I look back and I'm so thankful for a good, good father who loves me enough that starting on Wednesday of last week, he was already prepping me. I had no clue what was going to happen this weekend, but all the way back on Wednesday, God was prepping me. And I started listening to pastors and, and I listened to this one guy and, and I even posted it on my social media because I loved it that much. He said, I don't know what you're going through in life, but I can promise you God will be with you. I, I can't bring your child back to you, but I can promise you God will be with you. I can't promise that your home is going to come back together and, and you're going to have a good family life again. But I can promise you that God will be with you. I can't promise you that God's going to take the cancer from your life, but I promise you God will be with you. See, I, I want to let you know this morning, due to personal experience, I can't tell you what you're going through in life, but one thing that I can tell you this morning is God will be with you. God's going to walk through the fire with you. He's going to walk through the trial with you. And when you get down into the deepest valleys of life, God will be with you. God will be with you. See, these experiences help us to examine our faith. He tests us to develop our faith. He tries us and he's like, a, it's like a refiner's fire. And it gets heated up. And then he comes in and he scoops the, the debris and the dirt and the nastiness of the gold off the top. And he skims the top. And guess what? He turns the fire up. And the gold gets hotter. He pushes those imperfections up. And he skims the top. I know you're going through the fire, but he's not finished with you yet. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. I love how A.W. Tozer said, while it looks like things are out of control, it looks like things are out of control. But behind the scenes, there's a God who has not surrendered his authority. See, the God that I serve has not given up his authority. The God that I serve, no matter what I face in life, hasn't stepped off his throne. The God that I serve hasn't moved a finger against the enemy. When the enemy comes in and, and, and starts to say, look, I want to do these tests to, to Don. I'm gonna, I bet you I can make Don curse you. I bet I can make, insert your name here. I bet I can make them curse you. Just like he did with Job. And God said, hey, go ahead and do it. You can do anything you want to Job. Just don't take his life. See, God's still in control. And Job went in and he went through the fire. He went through boils. He went through losing family. He went through losing property. He went through losing his house. He went through losing everything that he owned. And not one time did he ever curse God. Not once. His response, and I love it, and I pray that I can be like that, just like Job. To say, naked I come in this world, naked I'll leave this world. Blessed be the name of God. I didn't have anything when I come into this world. And if I leave this world not having anything, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. 
It's not about the job you have. It's not about the job you have. It's not about the social status that you have. It's not about the house you have. It's not about the cars you have. It's not about the toys you have. It's about your relationship with him. It's all about your relationship. See, he who, he who dies with the most toys doesn't win. He who dies with the most toys still dies. Where are you spending eternity? Where's eternity going to happen? Is, if, if this is the best that I'll ever have, man, I hate to see the worst. But see, for a believer, hands down, I don't care what happens to me in this life. Come flood <laughs> or fire or rejection or not having friends or whatever else that I can name physically that we can think that we can go through a problem, it doesn't matter. As long as I have a relationship with him, I promise you it'll be okay. Promise you it'll be okay. Look at these. We ain't even made it out of the introduction yet, and it's 12 o'clock. Look at here in this, this first and verses 12 through 15. Let's take a look at 12 through 15 real quick. 12 through 15, these verses describe the confrontation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego started out in having. They started having this confrontation facing regarding the, com the king's commands. Right? The king gave a command. This was something... This was something coming down from the top. This was something that could not be rejected. If you rejected this command, there was going to be consequences that were going to be had. Consequences were going to be had. It says there were certain Jews in verse 12. This is the accusation that come up in their lives. There are certain Jews whom, who thou hast set up of the affairs of the providence of Babylon. Nobody has friends like these guys, right? I know no one. This is, again, this is my Sunday morning crowd. You guys don't have friends like this. Right, to where when something happens in your life, I'm going to... Hey, I don't know if you've noticed, but did you see what so-and-so just did? You guys don't have friends like that? Talking behind your back, right? That's exactly what was going on here. This was the accusations that were, they were facing. So they went to the king, right? And they said, these Jews, these certain Jews that you, king, set up and put them in place, Set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded the king. They're not listening to what you said. You, we understand. You put out a decree. And we knew that. And we bowed down. And we were worshiping. But, but these men did not. And we saw the whole thing. That's my daughter's favorite thing. Saw the whole thing, Dad. <laughs> right? saw the whole thing. I was there. I saw it, Dad. This is what happened. This is what my brothers really did. <laughs> right? And it said, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They don't, they're not listening to you. And they're not regarding the gods that you set up. We did. We were bending and, and, and worshiping. But they didn't serve and worship the golden image which you have set up. As the music began to play, right, all of these people around the whole province, the whole region, multitudes began worshiping this 90-foot image. And these men here remained steadfast in their faith. They did not bow. Early into their captivity, they were prepared for leadership. Early on, if you go back in Daniel chapter 1 and 2, you can kind of see what's leading up to Daniel chapter 3. And they were being prepared for this. And I can guarantee that this did not set well for the Babylonians. Why? Because they were captured people. They, the king captured the brightest and the smartest. And he pulled from Judah to use for his kingdom. But what do you think that did to those that were already in Babylon? 
Has anyone ever been there? I've personally been there, right? Working at an unnamed uh, in place of employment. And I remember looking back as I was working at said unnamed place of employment that they brought outside people in at a higher rate of pay and a higher rank than those that were already in with the same amount of times in law enforcement. And then you think to yourself, what in the world? I've been dedicated. I've been steadfast. I've been working. And then you bring an outsider in and elevate them? It doesn't set well for those that are in there and they give the, their time and dedication to the company, right? I can only imagine what the Babylonians were thinking. King, these are the ones that you set up. Do you remember the ones that you brought in from Judah? Yeah, they're not listening to you. And you've placed them in these positions, but they're not serving you. They made it a personal issue with these men. And they took it before the king, right? And they came and told the king, they didn't listen to your decrees. They didn't worship the image that you set up. Listen to me, if you're serving the Lord and you're committed to him, you are being closely watched. I promise you. I get told all the time, I see how your congregation's changing. I see how cars are in your parking lot. I see this, I see that, I see the other. Why? Because they're watching. People watch all the time. But not only are they watching and it's nothing to do with me. It's a God move. Because Acts 2.47, and, and the Lord adds to the church daily such as should be saved. It's not a pastor thing. Right? They're seeing the work of God, and they're seeing the increase of God, and they're seeing the blessings of God on the church. But I want to listen. I want you to listen to me. They're watching your life. They're watching you. They're watching me. And they're going to watch you, and they're going to wait for that moment's notice that they can go and say, ha, told you so. Ha, told you so. They said that they were this. Look what happened. They said they were that. Look what happened. Right? They're going to point you out. There's going to even make, there's going to be some that even attempt to make your obedience to the Lord seem like a direct attack on them. Are we not seeing that in society? You try to worship the Lord. You try to say, you, you don't even have to, to physically worship the Lord. Just knowing, because people know. You see, why does people know? Because when you walk into, when light walks into darkness, darkness knows. Darkness knows. And I've preached it before, and you've heard me talk about it. When Jesus stepped out of that boat over into the, over near where the man of the Gadarenes was at, soon as, it says, Scripture says, soon as he left the boat, the man started screaming and running to him. He said, what have I got to do? What have we got to do with you, Jesus? Oh, son of the most high. Right? They knew that light had stepped into their area. People know, right? And they know, and they're going to think that, or they're going to make it seem like it's a direct attack on you as an individual as, as you're attacking them in life. I want to remind you, stand firm. Don't bow. Don't bow. I've always heard these two things were certain in life, and that's death and taxes. Two things in life that are going to come at you no matter what. Taxes are going to come every year. For, mo for a lot of people in this congregation, April 15th means nothing to you. Right? For those of you that know, you know. Every year, April 15th needs to get filed. Right? You got to pay the man the man. You got to pay the money. And death is going to come one day. But I want to say something similar in the spiritual. There's one thing that we're going to face in, in the spiritual life. And we're going to face opposition. 
And Jesus told us, he warned his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials and tribulation. And the Apostle Paul, even as he was writing his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Spoiler alert, Christianity doesn't make you have a bed of roses. Okay? I would love to be able to get up here and do some prosperity preaching. Love me some prosperity preaching. I say that with all kinds of sarcasm. Right? Just saying, oh, God bless you and God loves you. And if you'll just give, if you'll give good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, God will bless you in abundance. I would love to be able to sweet talk that to you. While true, I, I will say this. I'm not going against the word of God. And God's word does say give and it will come back to you. I promise you, you cannot outgive God. Can't do it. But I want to also say that that's not how Christianity works. God is not some genie in the bottle that I can come up here and rub on Sunday mornings and he pops out and says, I'm here to do whatever you beckon me to do. God is a God that wants worship. God is a God that wants righteous living in life. God is, want, God is a God that wants a holy life unto him. As we've been walking through in discipleship, it takes us back, right, on Sunday nights as we've been going through Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, I beg you, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he continues, said, don't be conformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. God wants righteous living, right? So then they get into the interrogation, the second one. So we see the accusation, we'll see the interrogation. Nebuchadnezzar in verse 14 spake and said unto them, Is this true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So he was even going to give them the benefit of the doubt. He knew that they were coming against, these people had come up and they started accusing, but he didn't want to take it as, as third party. He didn't want to say, well, you know, that's just hearsay. I'm going to give them a chance because I'm not going to take that at face value. That's hearsay. Let's go to them. And he says in verse 14, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is this true? Do you not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And I would like to, to, to just encourage you. When you get the moment, flip back through Scripture here when we get into Daniel chapter 3. Go back and read through this portion and count how many times that King Nebuchadnezzar says, I the image that I have set up. I, 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 right? Pride will get you. Pride will get you. These men here were ushered before the king and they were starting to get questioned. They were questioning regarding their refusal to bow before the king's image of gold. And, and he had heard the accusations from his counselors, but now he was asking the three Hebrew men, is this true? His interrogation encourages us here, right? To reflect on something. To reflect on the balance between following the authority of man and upholding godly values. I'm going to say that again so we grab a hold of it. This encourages us to reflect on the balances between following the authority of man and upholding godly values. This should encourage us to question authority. Okay? And I know the Apostle Paul does talk about Romans, how there's authority set up. 
But I'm going to tell you one thing, church family. You're not shutting my church doors. Because this overrules any type of man's ruling. I will always, I will always, I will always, if I'm the only one in here preaching to myself and my family, I will have the doors of this church open. Right? We see what happened in 2020, and we see all that nonsense about the government coming in and telling that we don't have the right to worship because of some sickness and blah, blah, blah. Right? If you want to come worship, these doors will be open until they take me away. Well, thank you, sister, for that support. Everybody else is like, we'll see you in jail, I guess. We'll visit you. <laughs> thank you, Miss Von Seal. We'll have a jail ministry together. Um, I appreciate that. Um, right? This should encourage, encourage us. Question authority. You don't have to follow man's authority when it's going against God, right? Question the authority when necessary and prioritize following the command of God over man's authority. Follow man's authority because God placed them in the positions that they're in until it begins to go against what God said. Tracking like a muddy cat through a clean kitchen. All right, let's keep rolling. We may never be forced like, like these three Hebrew men, these three Hebrew men. We, never, we might not be forced to stand in front of authorities. But in my viewpoint, where we're at scripturally, where we're at regarding the end times, buckle up, buttercup. Because it's coming faster than what most people agree. As these three Hebrew men stood before the authorities, buckle up, buttercup, because we too may be standing in front of authorities. And when we stand in front of authorities, I want to remind you, don't bend, don't bow, and you won't burn. Okay? Don't even take account on what you're going to say, Scripture says. Don't even think about what you're going to tell them. Don't even think about what you're going to say to the authorities because the Holy Spirit will speak through you. I promise you that. The Holy Spirit will give you the utterance. The Holy Spirit will give you the power. And he will speak to you what they need to hear. God will speak through you. It's very possible that we may be standing in front of authorities a lot sooner than what people believe, right? But we're not in America. We're not enjoying the, the majority as Christianities anymore. As, as Christians, we're not enjoying the majority. You say, well, pastor, we have loads of Christians in America. We have a lot of professors in America. We have, a lot of, we have a lot of church uh, gold crosses around your neck in America. And when the flowers of life start happening, I would like to thank God, I would like to think and say that 5% of the church is actually going to stand up. And that's probably even pushing it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things happening in life, and I want to remind you, it's very possible that we may go before these, and we're not the, the majority anymore. We're greatly being outnumbered. Listen to this. The world's population is roughly around 8 billion people, with only 2.2 billion professing Christianity. 2.2 professing Christianity. Of that 2.2, how many is living Christianity? How many, how many, I can out-preach him any day. Don't even worry about it, sweetie. I'm telling you, I love my next generation, so don't even worry about that stuff. 2.2, how many of that is actually believing? 
Look at the declaration. I'll close with this point. We'll finish this next week. So if you want the rest of the message, I'll see you next week. Man, that's a promise. Well, as long as God doesn't change it, my friend. I fall under his leadership. So let's look at verse 15. Let's look at the declaration that these men make. Verse 15 says, now if you be ready. I love, I love this. I understand you, you maybe, maybe you didn't hear the music. Maybe you were distracted because you were looking around. I, don't even worry about it, right? King says that when you're ready, when, just when you're ready, when you hear all of the, the, the sound of the music, when you have, hear the cornet and the, the flute start playing, and you're going to hear really pretty music. Don't even worry about it. I'm going to give you another chance. It's going to be a flute. You're going to hear the harp and the sackbut and the psaltery and the dulcimer. And you're going to hear all kinds of music. And it's going to fill you with joy. It's pretty music, right? When you hear that music, just go ahead and, just go ahead and take a knee. That, that, that's, all, that's all I'm looking for. It's just, if you'll just take a knee and bend down and worship at the sound of the music, it's going to be playing, it's going to be soft, it's going to be sweet, and you're going to enjoy it. You'll get in the mood, you'll feel good. And just take a knee and reflect. That's all I want you to do. Just reflect and worship the God that I have set up. Now I want to give you a warning. I want, to, I want to warn you. If you don't, if you worship not, this same hour you will be thrown into a fiery furnace. So now the threats come in. Does this sound any, does it sound any familiar to what we, had, what we experienced a few years back? I just need you to put this mask on. That's all. That's all. I just, I, I just want you to stay safe. I just need you to put this mask on. And I just need you to take this shot. That's it. That's just this shot. And, and you do as you see fit. Just, just, but just, I just need you to take this shot. Now, if you don't, your job is going to be terminated. Now, in no way, shape, or form, Am I going back and pointing to whether you took it, whether you don't? That's between you and, and your, your life, right? What I am saying <laughs> is, believe it or not, I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm going to step off because it's my opinion. I wholeheartedly believe it was just preparation. Just, uh, just, just preparation, my friend. They were seeing who was where and who was going to abide who was going to be for, and who was going to buck against. Just a test run, my friend. Buckle up, buttercup. It's going to be a lot worse the next coming, next coming months, next coming years. I promise you the next one won't be as easy. I promise you. You say, well, pastor, why are you talking all this doom and gloom? Because I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready like these three Hebrew men when they come in and say, hey, I know maybe you missed the first one. And I, I, I know you didn't, you know, I know you, you, you didn't want to comply and you didn't want to do this stuff. And maybe you didn't hear the music the first time. The second one's coming, just like Nebuchadnezzar was saying. And he says, we're going to give you another shot. When you hear all of the music and you hear all of the sound and you hear all of this, I need you to do this, but listen to me this time. If you don't, 
this is going to be the consequences. Please don't bend. And when that day comes, I pray that Pastor Don's words ring in your ear. Don't bend. Don't bend. Because the moment we start bending, we start bowing. That's the first step down. Whatever tolerance the king may may have had at this point, it was rapidly leaving. And I believe that's where we're starting to get to in our government. So whatever tolerance they may have had several years ago, I don't see the tolerance continuing, right? Whatever tolerance the king may have had, that was beginning to wear thin. He guaranteed that the rebellion and the disobedience was not going to stand this time. If you rebel, you will the same hour be placed into a fiery furnace. There will come a time that they're going to say, if you do not comply this day within the hour, you will lose your head. What are you going to do then? I ask you, and you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to tell me out loud, but what are you going to do, Christian? What are you going to do in that moment? Did everything happen in prior to that, all of the church going and the deaconing and the pastoring and the teaching and the, and the fun and the singing and the worship leading and all of the good times that we had, was that now going to be like, <laughs> I was just kidding. You know, I was just funning back then. I wasn't that serious to God. Or are we going to be built on a solid foundation? I pray that I have the strength and I pray that I have the grace to be like the Apostle Paul that says, where's it at? I'm, now listen to me, guys. I'm not trying to run from y'all. Y'all keep up. I'm running too. So don't try to chase me and think that I'm trying to get out of this situation. It says he ran to the chopping block. And he got up there and he said, (laughs) I've ran my race. I ran my race. I kept the faith. And I finished my course. I finished my course. Are you going to be there? See, the, the king here, his tolerance was wearing down. And now there were only two options. Bow down or burn. And he even took a, took a stab at him with some sarcasm and says, and who's the God that's going to deliver you from my hands? I'm the king of this area, and you will die today. See, this continues to be a reality for believers all around the world. Right now, as we sit in the comforts of our air condition, <coughs> excuse me, and we sit in the comforts of our padded seating, right now, Someone has given their life for Christ. Right now. You say, well, pastor, it's 2024. That stuff don't happen. On the contrary, every day people give their life for Christ. Every day people stand up and say, nope, I'm not bending and I'm not bowing. You can take my head if you want to. You can execute me if you want to, but I'm not bending and I'm not bowing. I believe America's right around the corner, my friend. Right around the corner. Last thing, this passage should encourage us to stay strong in our faith. Stand strong. Resist societal pressures. 
resist them that go against the word of God. If they want to walk up righteous, let's follow them. If it's going against the righteous will of God, I'm not following with you. Right? Most importantly, trust God. And I promise you, when you trust God, he will deliver you. He'll deliver you. I pray that this is an inspiration to us. As we finish it next week, I pray that this is an inspiration for us to confidently live for God. Trust in God's faithfulness and trust in him even when we face the hardships of life. Stand. The Apostle Paul said over in Ephesians chapter 6 as he was penning the letter to the church at Ephesus, stand, therefore, having on all of the armor of God. Stand. And then the Apostle Paul even closes it and he says, hey, when you've done everything else in life, when you've done all that you can do, at no point does he say doing it about face. He says, stand. Just stand. And I want to remind you, as I've preached that before, with the armor of God, the armor of God has nothing that it talks about to protect us on our back. Right? When I was in the military and then when I was in law enforcement, we put on body armor. It, it protected everywhere, front, back, head to toe, front, back. Right? Because there were sometimes we did need to retreat. We needed to regroup and, and, and take a knee and drink water for a minute, get our thoughts together, and, and correct the problem. But nowhere in, in the church at, at Ephesus, as the, Apollo, as the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to this church, nowhere does the armor of God cover the back of us. So listen to me, my friend. When you're standing firm, and when the Apostle Paul says, come hell or high water, I'm going to stand firm, and I'm going to face the enemy head on, the enemy don't know who he's facing, right? Because it says, take unto you the armor of God. Take unto you the whole armor of who? Of God. So when I'm standing firm, and I've got on my helmet of salvation, and I've got on my breastplate of righteousness, and I've got my, my belt of truth on, and I'm standing there having my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, when I take the shield of faith, wherewith I can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. And then I pick up my sword and I stand there because the sword is the word of God. And I stand fast and say, not today, Satan. Not today. You may come in and cause a problem in my life, but not today. You may come in and have an incident to where I'm at the ER all night with my daughter. Not today, Satan. I'm going to stand firm regardless of what you say because I knew that there was something that was going to happen today. I knew that God, I knew he gave me this message for somebody to hear it today. Wherever you are, stand fast with word of God. I knew that we were going to have a baptism today and Satan doesn't want any of that happening. And he was going to try his hardest to, detect, to, to attack me and to get my mind off of what's going on here at this body of believers. Not today, Satan. Not today. Because somebody needed to hear the word of encouragement. I don't know what you're going through, but God's going to be with you. Amen. Just stand fast, church. Just stand fast and don't move because God will be with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed.
Maybe you might be thinking this morning, Pastor, I thank you for this word that you've given. I thank you for the word of encouragement, but, but come to think about it, I'm not sure about the God that you serve because I don't have that, that solid, stand firm faith. I don't know that I've ever had a relationship with him to, to, be, able, to be able to proclaim boldly that, yes, I have a faith in him and, and there's nothing that's going to happen to my left. There's nothing that's going to happen to my right. There's nothing that's going to happen around me. Friends come and friends go and, and, and I, it gets me up and down and I don't have that solid foundation. My friend, I'm here to tell you today that that can change. Right now we can change that. See, because God said over in his word in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door. Jesus speaking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is he knocking on your heart's door? I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him, I'll sup with him, and he with me. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't know that, that, that I have that no-so faith. I've lived the church life. That's awesome. Congratulations. I, I was a pastor once. That's awesome. Congratulations. I was a deacon in my body of church. That's awesome. Congratulations. But do you know him? Do you know my king this morning? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of heaven and earth. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the one true God that fails not. He's the one true God that faints not. Do you know him? You say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I have that faith. Come forward. Pastor, Pastor Rick will be up here. I'm up here. I've got deacons in this body of believers. I've got men of God who can stand firm with you and show you the way and say, hey, I can point you in the right direction. See, there's a big difference between knowing God and knowing God. 